Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 152 of Death Readers, a podcast where Rob and I read books we haven't for the first time. In this episode, we're going to be reading the annotated The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, chapters seven through nine. I mean, um, I mean, do you, do you want to do you want to do that correctly? <laughs> okay. By J.R.R. Tolkien and Douglas A. Anderson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. And and, and Douglas A. Anderson, okay. the annotator. That's enough. We we don't need to redo it. Okay. Okay. We'll Sounds... Just leave that in. I'll cut out all that awkwardness. Uh huh. I'm sure you will. <laughs> If there's anything you're expert at, it's cutting out the awkwardness, <laughs> not finding ways to, you know, embellish it. What? It's fine. If you have not listened to the podcast before, go ahead and go out and buy a copy of The Annotated The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien and Douglas Anderson. And listen along, read along, look at all the cool pictures we can't show on a visual and a non-visual medium like a podcast. I have a, a bit of housekeeping. Okay. I listened to the last episode, and there was Which a I moment should probably where you were, put up any any day now. But go ahead. Where you were trying to listen, you were trying to uh, make a note about someone's garments that they were wearing. Oh, thank God! It's not the housekeeping I've got. Go ahead. And 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 I I was you said what's the garment? And I said vestibules. And you were like, Doug, you ignorant fool! Uh, it, that's stupid. I realized as I was driving, I was like, oh, I meant vestments. Yeah. And also. Rainments, yeah, well, look at that. Those would have worked better, but you didn't but even say took... Vesta Rains. I didn't. You didn't say Rain and Buell. I didn't. I'm just I saying. I, I there are words that I was close to that my brain could get halfway to. Well, I mean, similarly awkward as awkwardly, but at least in my defense, it was in another goddamn language. I also got a word wrong. All or were right. you not done? I'm sorry. I was cutting. I am cutting off. I'm really good at that. You're not cutting me off. You just are really good at making it awkward. So (laughs) you go ahead and finish up what you were saying. Well, we talked about before you interrupted yourself. Counting in German last time. Duh. And uh, we're talking about how they use the thumb and the fingies. Yes, yes, yes. To to order, and I said they. uh, I hate doing it out loud. I said he ordered dry. Glassen. <laughs> Glassen? Is that the one That's you That's what up? I fucking said, yes. <laughs> yes. The uh, the most American dishwater German ever. It's okay. it's it's dry glazer. Glazer. Would be the plural of glasses in German. So I am heartfully sorry to all I've offended, and it will happen again. Most assuredly. Yes. If there's anything Rob does well in German, it's getting the words wrong on time. <laughs> it's Fehlenheimer. Um, okay, is there any other housekeeping? Any other <laughs> shame we need to announce? Like, not the, Apparently not that's the what the housekeeping uh, is in this show. <laughs> yes, well, we'll go into our uh, vestments and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> cool, good. See, okay, it's a vestibule. Um, could be a definition, a description of the it. confessional booth. You don't have to do it. Okay. <laughs> you did it. I sure did. It was okay, though. We didn't have to do it, but you did it, and here we are. So, let's recap our uh, our walking app update let's do. that we yes. introduced the audience to last week, or and last the, episode. Uh, and you give me was. a little sneak peek, so I'm going to go back to where you were. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Well, I... Okay, so just... Again... 
doing it in with no extra special counting techniques, just just the steps of an honest man. <laughs> I am on day 29. Okay. And I have walked 62.7 miles. All right, 62.7. Now, for me, 62.7 is following the road towards the ferry. That's true. Okay, and that's where you're at. You've mm-hmm. just had uh, dinner at a farm with the farmer and his family. Mm-hmm. Now you're following the road towards the ferry. That was my day six. <laughs> now I'm going to scroll forward. Still scrolling forward. Still scrolling forward. Mm-hmm. Still, oh, here we go. Um, it is a wild and pathless land. Day 28 for me. Uh, 257 miles. Wow. Yeah. It's not a contest. I just feel like there's something weird about the way your thing's counting. Because I know, I just know things like your job is much more sedentary than mine. And I also know you do do a lot more running than I do. But I have a hard time believing you do hundreds of miles of running more than I do. I do a little bit of running and I haven't really done that because I am old and my knees are gray. Um, But what do I do at work? I, nope. You bounce, but like. You do pace sometimes. There, You're sometimes. telling me you pace I'm like hundreds a, of miles. I'm like Rob. a panther enclosed in my little area. I stalk back and forward, waiting for prey to come into my lair. There is not. Yeah. I, I, to give you as much credit as you deserve, there is. There are not grooves run into the floor there that would have appeared. I have in one session in that, in that room paced five miles before. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, back and forth for an hour and a half. Don't do that That's often, pretty good, but I have done it. <clears throat> that's pretty good. I still feel like there's some there's some uh, malarkey going on, but and that's then, fine. And, and to everyone listening, to understand, I have like a twenty foot room as my <laughs> quote unquote office. Rob's got a wonderful little cage. <laughs> he is amazing. He has no windows. <laughs> I have one glass door that I'll stand in front of, like Hannibal Lecter, sometimes hoping someone will come by so I could just be waiting. Nobody ever does. That's when they don't come by. They come by many other goofy times, and it'll be like caught in the middle of like, oh no! But when I'm standing there waiting, anyone? Nothing. Yeah, that's a really good description for those who have no idea what your day to day is, and if and if for those of you listening through 150 episodes, I hope it explains something. Okay, so we finished that. I'm I'm I honestly don't know if I'm getting closer to finishing this sooner than I was last time. Oh, you mean uh, it like says, a projected end date? Yeah, my projected end date is now May 1st, 2025. January 7th, 2024. Yeah. Well. Oh, I need to go stir my sauce. I'll be right back. All right. I'll be right. I'll be right here. I'll be waiting. Talk amongst yourself. For those of you keeping track, I am 395 miles behind Frodo, who is... At 395 miles, probably a third of the way there. All right. I wonder if we'll get done before the next time I have to go take the sauce out. How long is that? Uh, hour and 20 minutes. Okay. All right. See, so it cooks down for like two and a half hours in the oven. It gets real thick and tasty. Cooks down for about two and a half hours. About two and a half hours to make my eggplant parmigiana. Uh, That's just the sauce, you understand. 
Because then I got to go if get the don't... eggplant. I got a slice of eggplant. I got to bread the eggplant. I got to fry the eggplant. Then I stack it all up with some cheese. Mm. Some good stuff. It's good. Oh, eating. you like the you like the cheese? Gotta have I cheese. Like to go out. I like to go out with my truffle pig and find some nice white truffles. Oh, you got yourself them. a truffle pig? I got myself a good little boy, and I get him out there, and he shave up them truffles. He finds all nice and good. He doesn't snout. eat those truffles, though. He doesn't go hog wild on those truffles. No, really. sir. He digs his little face right in the muck and pulls out those delicious bits of golden flavor. And then I like to shave them up on my Parmesan and like drip it on there. And you know what? It just adds a little kick that I like. <sighs> I don't know where that's going, but that was weird. It's fun. <laughs> and I want truffles now. <laughs> I, I do like the idea of the uh, the the swamp gourmand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, the deliverance chef. Yes, yes, that's. I think that is a fun character uh, that we just came up with now. Okay. Um. All right. Well, back to the show. Do you have any more housekeeping? I do not. All right. So let's begin with chapter seven. Queer lodgings. The great eagles ferry the company of Thorin East, dropping them off in a field by a large stone platform. Gandalf explains the platform was created by a loner who makes these lances home. His name is Bayorn, and he is a skin changer who can take the form of a great black bear and doesn't much care for dwarves, but hates goblins more. Gandalf devises a scheme in which they will receive lodging and sundry from Bayorn in exchange for companionship and entertainment. After slowly introducing the dwarves to Bayorn, Gandalf and company rest for a day or so before setting off east again with fresh supplies and a troop of ponies loaned out from Bayorn. Once again, they reach the ba- oh, excuse me. Once they reach the boundaries of the Mirkwood Forest, Gandalf takes his leave of the party and shepherds the release of the ponies back to Bayorn. How are you saying that name? Bayorn? Okay, I think your R was dropping, I, dropping out when I was listening to it because I kept thought I it kept sounding like you were saying Bayon, Bayorn. I Bayorn. should have said it Bayorn, Bayorn, because it's almost Bjorn without the yeah. your. Fair enough. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You know what you're doing. Okay, so uh, did I miss anything? No, I think Besides that's about just it. little specifics. That's, yeah. I was totally listening and not fixating on pronunciation. Uh, it sounded like to me like you covered that chapter well. I imagine in your head it's just the fucking Kill Bill Claxons and you can't hear anything else happening. You're just going, did he say Bayon or Bayorn? How much longer do I have to think about this before he's going to talk to me again? If, I, if only of these Claxons would turn off, I could hear what he's pronouncing it again, but uh, they won't. They just keep roaring. Bayon, fucking Bayon. <laughs> it's Loxana Troy all over again. Loxana. There's a W right. in there. <laughs> the Waxana. You sound. You have to sound like Carl Sagan when you say her name. Um, Waxana Troy. All right. Uh, tangents are done. Um, all right. I have <laughs> done, a. Uh, I have a pre-page note. Okay, give me your pre-page note. Oh, is it about the um, how how they trace the eagle? No. Uh, <laughs> you 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 rude son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> Because 
because that was in the last chapter. No, I'm pretty sure it was this chapter. But mm, go ahead. Couldn't possibly be because of the way books are built. <laughs> anyway, or you wouldn't want to besmirch Douglas Anderson such, would you? By implying that he's a moron who would put something in a chapter that starts on the right page on the corresponding left page. I will certainly that would imply some Douglas is a moron. Stupid. Yes. Deserved, I guess. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Pre-page note. Pre-page note. Being that I was largely unfamiliar with The Hobbit's plot prior to seeing Peter Jackson's trilogy, and that I had heard from cretinous friends that he had taken creative license with the film and added unspecified supplemental content, I sort of assumed everything outside of Smog, the Trolls, and Riddles in the Dark were Jacksonian creations. Oh, it is immensely pleasurable to read this book and discover how much what really was in the book all along. Specifically, Bayorn. Um, because that character is so, like... I guess I should have known because it's such an odd character mm. that it really should have only come from the book. But, like, if in the movie, that those sequences feel, like, interruptive because Jackson does things that I think are dumb. Like... He sort of forces this addition of the uh, action, yeah. Uh, where where yeah. Like, the the wargs and and Azog are chasing the hobbits. Like it's not enough for them just to be dwarves versus nature. It also has to be like they are also fighting an orc monster. Right. There's an element there that this scene specifically definitely interrupts in an odd way. That I think I don't know. It might play better in the book, but also the book has the advantage of being able to go oh by the way they left six months ago and it's like well we didn't experience that i remember not liking how bjorn was portrayed he was too gaunt for me i wanted a big dude not you know a tall skinny guy and is there also something of cgi about him like a like a um, not like a golem but more like a bfg kind of character or there, is it just because he looked so weird? I think it's just that he looked weird. There's a couple of things that you might be picking up on in the Uncanny Valley there. Because having, having watched all of the special features in the movies, which I can say confidently, with him, my understanding was, first off, lots of forced perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, per- perhaps forced perspective and green screen. So that that, that, w- that would make sense. That difference could feel like he feels a little off. But my memory from the from the stuff is that it's mostly prosthetic makeup. Like he just has a lot of prosthetic yeah. like stuff on his face. And I never like that when they like make the animal changing character look more animalistic. I'm like, let let the change be the magical part. I don't need to see you know Fenrir Greyback well, look so weird either. And that's another thing. He looked like Fenrir Greyback. He, to me. he I can totally give you that he does. He has that same the, the same prosthetic nose that yeah, they do where yeah, the, that's the, the, the brow nose. comes weird. like off mm-hmm. um a little crow magnon man. A lot of the dwarves have that in that movie too though, but it fits more with them. Sure. I will I will remind you that Bjorn uh which I will now adopt as the pronunciation. Bjorn. Bjorn. Bayon. Baby Bjorn, he, my memory is that he's, he's not human, right? He's not just a skin changer as if that's a thing that you could like, like Peter Pettigrew, you can become. It is a different like species of people. And in that, that he is 
he is by nature non-human, even in his more human-looking bipedal, anthro- like anthropomorphic like state. Mm-hmm. Anthropod, I should have said. So, so there may be some elements of creative license there with him because I don't remember much of the description of him in the in the in the book being more than just very big man. Mm-hmm. The other thing I will say about my memory from that is that even the scene, like one of my favorite parts about that sequence from the special features is that sequence where they're where he's chopping wood outside of his cabin. Uh, apparently, so they they went out, the, the production crew went out and found this beautiful, amazing national park location Uh-oh. to shoot that sequence, right? Uh-oh, what's wrong? Oh, I just don't like where this is going. They found National this park and chopping wood is what I've heard so far. <laughs> they found this beautiful, so <laughs> in the scene, yeah. they, uh, they smash a priceless antique guitar, and there's no way... <laughs> They could ever get it back, and they and Bjorn didn't know. Bjorn didn't know that it wasn't. It was they hadn't swapped it out. They hadn't swapped it out. He just smashed the shit out of it over the uh, you know. That's Bumper's the wrong head. story. And oh my bad. What story okay, is so, that? I know it's a story. What is that from? That's from Hateful Eight when uh, Hateful Eight Kurt Russell right, right, right. smashes the guitar right, okay. uh, that was on loan from a museum because yes. for some reason Quentin's like it has to be a period guitar. <laughs> it's like why you dick? Just play guitar. Fucking let the prop master make it look right. Whatever. Anyway, sorry, history, but that guitar's final moments are captured on celluloid. So I wonder if he was like, Kurt, you're going to smash this guitar and you're going to take the heat for it. (laughs) Kurt Russell's insane. He probably would. But let's get back to the story about The Hobbit. Right. The Hobbit full eight. So back in the National Park in New Zealand where they're shooting the scene of The Hobbit with Bayorn. I'm flipping back and forth with the pronunciation, by the way. I know what I'm doing. It, it looks all great. It looks amazing. Like they show these shots and the behind the scenes stuff of this this glacial like valley, this enormous, massive like lake where again, once in ancient times, a huge glacier carved out the rock and just really made these beautiful mountains and this gorgeous blue lake. And you're looking at you're like, wow, that's amazing. That I I didn't know that that shot was real. Like sure. the shot in those scenes were like an actual place you could go. And then as I'm thinking this and watching the documentary, this crew of like eight people start carrying out this enormous green screen and they pull out this enormous like building size green screen. They put it behind the actor playing uh, Bjorn and then they shoot the scene and they fill in the background that's back there with itself or something very akin to it behind him. What are you doing, Peter? Look, it's crazy, but I think it actually makes some sense. Think of it this way. Let's imagine that you lose the light in the background that you can't control, right? Like you can't stop the the light from changing on the mountains. Like if a cloud goes over or something. Well, you never you heard of a the, bounce card? The bounce is for the foreground, not the background. Shut up. So, so the background, <laughs> like you can't control for like, you know, if a cloud came over and, and like it was moving because you're shooting all day and you can't match those things. So maybe what you do is you shoot, like, plates, essentially. Like, imagine it being, like, a, a thing where you're just shooting plates of the background that you then use for the mm-hmm. whole sequence mm-hmm. so that they stay the same. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's like, dark magic to me, because there's a part of me that's like... Yeah, oh, that's, no, some, you, that's some necromancy bullshit. It's like, it's like you, you want to get the natural feeling of it. It's like, yeah, I do, but I also want to completely control it. <laughs> like, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like... I, I get it, but man, does that have like an awkward taste in the mouth? Like it feels it feels like there's not magic in this. There's function. There's machinery. This is this and is that's orc okay. wine. Yes, it's like it's okay, but I man, this 
There's a little less magic in this sausage I'm watching being made. I only watch anyway, magic I don't remember, sausage get made. <laughs> I don't remember why we started talking about this, but that's the end of that story. Is that it's a, it's it's both a little CG and not. It's it's the pre-note, Doug. I really need you to be able to stay on on track here. Hey man, you asked me about uh, Baby Bjorn, and I answered. You did. I thank you. Okay, so uh, that was, but that was my point about like, there's a handful of other things that have happened in this that I just, again, being very, very unfamiliar with this story and so far in the books, and I'm like, oh, cool, that was there the whole time. That's pretty rad. Uh, like, like the wolves chasing them up the trees and the eagles rescuing them. Like with the uh, advent of Azog and that whole conflict, it really doesn't feel like in the movie. It felt like it could have been forced. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know if we've gotten at this point, and I think it comes, it must come in an appendix. I'm guessing, but we haven't heard why Thorin is called Thorin Oakenshield, right? I don't feel like we've read that story in the book yet, but he's been referred to it as such. Was there a backstory for it? It's not just his last name? Yeah, there's a backstory, because it's not his last oh. name. Oh, because it's in the fight with, with, with Azog, right? Or Azog? Yeah, yeah. He picks up a big old tree branch or some chunk of tree and is like, haha, this is my Oakenshield. Yes. I don't know if that's ever addressed, even in the appendices. You're right. That's just oh, something wow. I don't. I don't know because I never read those. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, but I think I noticed it. I, I don't know if it's the first time it's been in the book, but I noticed it very clearly in these chapters. That at one point that Bilbo refers to him as Thor and Oakenshield, and I remember thinking, I don't feel like we've heard that story yet. So there isn't that much like like in this book. There hasn't been yet a lot of like. Thorin sitting down and in imparting the gravitas he get, has in the movie. Right. Yes. No. They definitely um, glammed him up a bit. Yeah. So far, and I know this question will make more sense at the end of the episode, but so far there's not been a lot added to the movie, right? The, the right now up to well, let's just pretend we haven't read the rest of what we read. Yeah, that's what I'm episode. saying. That's what I'm saying. Up to the point of 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 Bjorn, there is the Azog stuff, all that stuff. And other than that, I don't think so. I think that's the main thing that has been, like, that's, enhanced. Right. That's really just adding a character and embellishing what's happened a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But other than that, I think, because we have just basically finished the first movie. Where does the first movie end? The first movie ends with them, I think it ends with them coming out of the goblin ca- caverns. And they're oh, standing. Shit. For some reason, I thought the first movie ended with them getting to Lake Town. No, the first movie oh, ends wow. with them with them getting out of the goblins and looking because there's that shot where they look out over the fields and they can see the lonely mountain out there, and uh, Gandalf's You're like, "That's right. how where we have to go now." Right, it's pre pre Bjorn. It ends basically where this chapter starts. No, it ends. Well, is this where the cha- I've forgotten already? I thought it ended with the, the 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 tree shit and and you know and and the eagles drop them off and that's where the first movie. Starts. Maybe that is where it ends, is with the Eagles. Maybe it's already after the Eagles. I don't I remember if it's once. the... I've seen it more than that, but I, I can't... It's either, like, right before the Eagles or right after. Like, I can't remember. It's like, Bilbo comes out and is like, I've been here the whole time, everybody. And then it's like, look, that's where we have to go. Movie ends. And then the next movie starts with, you thought we were safe? They're chasing us. And then running, 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 getting on the Eagles, flying. Like, I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember. But yeah, either no. way, it's around this time. Sure. So uh, the answer is... There really has been very little except the Azog chase. Okay. Um, uh, my first real note is on page 161. Okay. What's that? Uh, just another odd comment suggesting hobbits look like rabbits. It's <laughs> a lot of it. As soon as he mentioned it, uh, or as soon as the book mentioned it, that's all I'm seeing every time it comes up. 
It's like a big well, glaring. It's, yeah, it's hard not to notice. It's hard not to be like, oh, there it is again. Yeah. Weird. Um, that's it. There's some, I'm just, I feel like I can't help but point them out now. because no, please do. It's very obvious. My next one is 167. 164. All right. Is this your one note? My one note. Fantastic. It is such a weird line. I had to look into it more because it's it's, it's one of those I'm sure in the past I've, I have I read and was like, I'm going to glaze over that. But, but that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to glaze over anymore. Right, right. And so it goes like this. This is Gandalf talking to the dwarves and Bilbo interrupting. If you must know, his name is Bjorn. He is very strong and he is a skin changer. What? A furrier? A man that calls rabbits conies when he doesn't turn their skins into squirrels? Asked Bilbo. There was too much going on there that I was like, what the fuck is any of that mean? So I did some digging. And thanks to a little website called OD&D Discussion, as in the discussion board, I may have an answer. In a post by Big Jack Brass, a level five thaumaturgist, but mm. only has three stars, from March 27th, 2015 at 2.02 p.m., Big Jack Brass says, Not exactly a linguistic habit restricted to furriers. Coney is a word for a rabbit or for a rabbit fur. Now old-fashioned to the point of being obsolete in general usage, it also used to mean someone who was rather credulous. Bilbo is not assuming that Bjorn has magical abilities even at this stage in the story. He's still very much the comfortable civilized hobbit who would be far more used to dealing with tradesmen, shopkeepers, and the like than he would be with a shapeshifter. Remember that even Gandalf is thought of in the Shire as only a slightly dupe. Jesus, he goes on. Uh, the first thing he thinks when he hears skin changer is furrier and considers that at the time the Hobbit was written, furriers were still a thriving business. Blah, this is really boring. Skipping ahead. Didn't you, uh, you know, vet this comment? I kind of, I kind of, I kind of copied all two paragraphs and just pasted it into my notes. And you were like, this will be fine. The guy's not going to say anything racist or crazy <laughs> in here. I'll just, I'll just get to it. As for squirrel. I suspect it's either a humorous confusion on Bilbo's part, or else the notion that someone might substitute rabbit fur trim instead of squirrel is correct. The substitution idea is likely, since rabbit fur was sometimes dyed to resemble more exotic and expensive varieties of squirrel, particularly for use trimming coats and gloves. I'm going to leave it there, because there's another paragraph that goes on. Uh, it does end with a uh, smiley face, though. <laughs> okay. So anyways, that's what it was. Because it didn't even occur to me that uh, squirrel fur would be more... Rare Valuable. than rabbit, but I guess it's smaller, harder to get, and you guys stitch it all together. So that does make sense. So that's the furrier going, yeah, that's totally squirrel. Biting's <laughs> uh, delicate gloves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you looked that up because I, I glossed right over it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, whatever. He turns rabbits to squirrels. That fuck, he's magical kids. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Now yeah. That makes a lot more sense and is very helpful. Okay, so do you actually have no more notes? Because I'll just run through mine then. Yeah, just run through yours. All right, sounds good. Uh, page 167, annotation number six. Gandalf is an Istari. Apologies for those I offended with any misinformation in our last episode. I am still learning. When you kept calling the wizards Iluvatars? No, Iluvatar is God. Why don't you remember this? Iluvatar is the prime creator. Then there yeah, it's are. It's pretty the... offensive that you're just saying there's seven Iluvatars running around. I didn't. I would never have said that. Because uh, there's just only five wizards, are... Doug. There's not seven. Mm -hmm. It's so there dumb are, of you. Um, 
Mm -hmm. There are a lot of different... See, one of the things we know about Tolkien from reading the last book and this book uh, is that he, for some reason, loves to give multiple names to the same fucking thing. That is true. In his his weird fiction. So sometimes you'll have these, like, this thing where, like... And this isn't a great example because I don't remember the right words, but I, I know that there are two... Like, I'll use this example. So there are, like, elves, right? There are elves who have not seen the light of the trees of Valinor. And then there are elves that have or whichever have or haven't. There's two. Sure. And those who haven't never will, because they're never going to go back. And those who have are like this weird, like they have this special like status because right. they've seen it. So like uh Galadriel has, has seen it. Sadriel but, has not, but like the fact that those, so, but, but there's, a, there's a word for for both those elves that encompasses both of them. And I don't remember what it is. And then there's separate words for ones that have seen it and haven't seen it. And why you would need to know the difference is lost on me, but Tolkien found it significant. So like, I feel like the same thing is happening with the Maiar and the, uh, Valinors, like in the, in the, uh, Istari, like I, all those words seem to encompass basically the same shit. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time figuring out which one goes in which order of hierarchy. But also there's like, there's something difference between like, I think there's a difference between the Maya and the Mayar, but I don't remember. And it's a lot to try to remember when this dude's dead. And he was very bad at explaining this stuff. I think cause he it's all in this book. He didn't finish. Well, it's probably all in Silmarillion too. That's what I booked up the book that's not finished. Yes. Oh, is it not finished? Well, I think that the, the Simmerillion is, I guess you could argue it's finished, but I feel like it's a lot like, like the Simmerillion is where the children, children, it's where the children of Huron comes from. It's an income. It's, it's a, it's an children of Huron. It takes place. It takes the elements of that and other elements that he hadn't fully finished, pushes them together to try to make them something digestible. Children of Huron is the book version of Peter Jackson's, Jackson's the Hobbit. Yes, exactly. So who knows what was there, what was there. And the guy, as we know, is from the annotations, is very open and happy to retcon his own shit and go back and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know I wanted to call certain elves gnomes, but, you know, no one's ever going to let me disassociate those from gnomes as people have them in their garden. So fuck it. They're not gnomes anymore. Scratch gnomes. Uh, And it's like, it's it's, not my fault. I want to give you gnomes, but y'all is too stupid. The Hobbit definitely feels like the kind of book that is a living document yeah. in that way, where he's constantly adjusting it to 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 fine tune it to make it more perfect, mm-hmm. which is fine. But it can it I, for me, it results in confusion and the fact that he's dead and didn't finish it. So anyway, there you go. Sorry, everybody. Istari. All right. Page 174, annotation eight. This is a wonderful note, and I'm disappointed I missed the poetic reversal in the story. Fun, simple, clever. And most importantly, it doesn't feel reused. Mm. There's uh, another note somewhere else about how they reverse a technique used earlier in the book, mm. um, which I can't think of at the moment. But yes, this would be Gandalf calling the dwarves two by two and introducing them slowly as uh, the inversion of how he got them to Bilbo's or. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Is it an inversion? Because he, he definitely he, he, he introduced them. In small groups to Bilbo, too. So how is it an inversion? It's not just the um, Let's see what the uh, what the note of the annotation actually says. Oh, because it, it's it's how Gandalf arrived first versus arriving last. Yes, That's which is reversal. not a huge 
it's not a huge reversal, but no. apparently it counts. Also, did I take the page note incorrectly? I one seventy four page eight. That's what I got. Oh, I was I moved down. Sorry, I moved down. Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. I'll cut that out so no one knows how embarrassing that was for you. Thanks. Yeah, it's not. It, it's basically the same gimmick. It's just not. It's just that Gandalf shows up last. Right. Which is which again? I didn't. I guess the thing is that it makes it's such a it's such a fine like bit mm-hmm. of of like and, and this one's done differently enough where he's you know. He's telling a story about what they did, and through that being clever and, and cagey, and being like, "Well, there's, you know, it was really more of a, of a, of a sex tuplet of us who were there," and 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 the whole like Abbott and Costello, like, "What? I but but before me, I only see four of you," kind of thing. Yeah. And then they bring more people in, and it was I liked it. It was good. It's uh, cute. I could imagine it working well. It works well in the movie. And I think funny uh, for kids too. Because it's a kids exactly, book. Exactly. Exactly. Because you can play on if, the if exasperation you, when you're reading it out loud, and if yeah, if you deliver it well, if you Kids read it like a, a small play. Um, my next note is 178. 78. Gandalf being rescued by the eagles. This art stands out as one of the first examples of a visualization of Gandalf as a more modern fantasy wizard. He has his staff, and the size of his beard and hat make him look like a sage sorcerer instead of a generic old man or garden gnome. Wait, 178. This is well. This is in the art. This is in oh, the, the paintings. Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. So it's okay. it's between. It's actually like on the second to last page. Yes, Gandalf a, being rescued by the eagles by Michael Haig from his yeah. 1984 illustrated edition of The Hobbit. Yeah, that feels much more like the Gandalf I'm used to, and even the the dwarves I I would prefer in the background there. Mm-hmm. It just is a nice representation of like ah, we're getting closer to the guy that I have visualized in some other form in some of the art. Mm-hmm. So. Thought that was cool. Uh, page one eighty one. Uh, Bjorn again refers to Bilbo as a bunny. Curious. Coney Watch, twenty twenty three. All right, that's what I have for that chapter. Do you have anything else in that chapter? In that chapter, no. I'm. I. I've realized there's another note that I should have taken that I'll try to get to when we get there. Uh, but it's not for this chapter. All right. Well, then let's move on to chapter eight. Flies and spiders. The party gets lost in the Mirkwood, an enormous, dark, dense forest. After a few failed attempts to meet with the wood elves, the party is captured by spiders. Bilbo saves the day by killing the monsters with his dagger. Liking how it kills spiders, Bilbo names the blade Sting. After using his ring to save the dwarves and sneakily assassinating the spiders, Bilbo comes clean about his experience in the cave with Gollum, how he got the ring, and how he can disappear. Quickly, the dwarves realize Thorin is not with them, as he had been taken by the elves in secret and is now a captive in their woodland cave kingdom, where he is undergoing interrogation by the elf king. I did gloss over some little bits about, like, them getting delirious and hungry and and Bomber falling in the water and the stags, but uh, if you're reading along with us, you know all that happened. (laughs) Uh, It reminds me of my favorite joke from Dr. Strangelove. Which is? Uh... He used to be a Nazi scientist. He came over and he changed his name from Merkwürdiglieben, which is strange love. Oh, got it. It's funny. It's just funny to me. Merkwood, Merkwürdiglieben. <laughs> I think it means weird love, technically. But <laughs> so this would be, mean weird wood? Look, I, 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 look I, I failed German, clearly, as <laughs> we as know from I, the, stop of the yeah. uh, top of the episode. Yeah. Yep, that's true. All right, I have a note on page 192. Okay, 192. 
Give it to us. Uh, this is a note on art. Uh, mm. It says, the annotation describes two figures in a watercolor, but I don't see either. Where can I find this art? Am I missing something? Or, or is there art that this book is referencing that is existing other places? You're talking about these two pictures that look like each other, but one has more contrast? Not no, yes I'm on 192. No. I, you said one what? Sorry, I said 192. That's oh. exactly where it should be. So like, okay, um, I'll I'll show you what I'm talking about. On the first one on the left, mm-hmm. the illustration is based on a watercolor drawing by Tolkien that illustrates a scene in the Cimmerillion Tale of Turin, when the elf Beleg meets another elf Findor, later renamed Gwyndor, in the forest of Turnafuen. This watercolor was originally painted in July 1928 and appears in Artist number 54. Many years later, Tolkien retitled it Fangorn Forest and allowed it to appear in the J.R.R. Tolkien calendar in 1974. The two tall figures in the drawing, both very unhobbit-like, and one of which is carrying a very long sword, were thus allowed to pass for Marion Pippin in Fangor Forest. The true context of this painting was first revealed by Christopher Tolkien in the notes to its appearance in the Cimmerillion calendar in 1978 and in pictures number 37 right. I don't see two tall figures, one of which is carrying a sword in either of these pictures, which makes me think the thing they're describing isn't in this book. Which is weird because other references to these pictures are correct, like the bottom border. Right. Um, so what you're, is No, artists, you're right. You are right. There's no figures anywhere that I can see. Yeah, I spent some time looking at this and trying to suss that, like, where, where's Waldoing this? And they, I couldn't find They refer any. to artists a couple times, and I think it's a shorthand for, like, J.R.R. Tolkien, the artist. So there's another book about his artwork okay. that they've been okay. referencing a couple times, and they've kind of just shorthanded it to artist. Um, well, that's a bummer. It is a bummer, because now I'm totally where's Waldoing this. And seeing that, like, if for a while I thought maybe the little pointy things were dwarves walking along, but those are clearly just little mini trees. It's yeah. really not two figures. If they're saying there's only two figures, then there's nothing. It is also a little disappointing that in the annotated version of The Hobbit, we would need another book to accompany it, or more than one, to get the full experience. That feels a little cheap. I uh, mean... For a- is it cheap or is it just giving us the experience of a researcher? Cheap. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's cheap. Would prefer it if it just uh, had everything it was referencing in it. Wouldn't that be I nice? feel like that's not asking too much. Or at least uh, point me in the direction of finding this artist book. Either Anyway, uh, page 208. 208. Oh, this is the note I would have taken. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. I like the brief scene of Bilbo slaying the spider. Somehow this simple series of words wonderfully thrust Bilbo into a, the more confident Baggins he'll need to be to face down a dragon alone. I'm not sure if it's just simplistic writing or anything more, but I too like how he acknowledges the personal growth and self-confidence boost. Mm. It's well paced thus far into the book. And he becomes a, a spider psycho. He does. He does he's, become kind of like... Just juicing through those spiders. One thing I will say, I don't feel like, for as much as I said that, and this is probably on my end, not being a good reader, but I feel like, I don't feel like he, uh, they specified that he used the ring to turn invisible, and that was what made his killing so efficient. Mm. 
I, I feel like that was sort of an after the fact thing where they were like, and then he took the ring off so they couldn't see him. And I was, I, I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm, I think that must've been a comprehension thing, but I didn't want to go back all the way through it and try to find the part where they say, and now he's invisible. Well, the, but, I, he definitely is invisible for a lot of it. Um, in fact, right here, it says Bilbo had slipped on his ring before he started. That's why the spiders not okay. saw or heard him coming. Uh, it's the bomb of 208. But there's also Good. a time later when he's running with the dwarves. He doesn't have the ring on. He's just like, go on. I'm just going to stand here like a badass and chop these spiders up. Yeah. Uh, but also the note I would have taken is this is where he names Sting. Yes. Or is it? Or is it? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Why? I just, I feel like I remember the Elvish inscription saying the sword's name is Sting. We don't find out till Lord of the Rings, which is kind of a weird duality. Oh, that's weird. But maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just like... Maybe... Oh, wait, Rob. Okay. Rob. Okay. What if hmm. Bilbo had the elves of Rivendell inscribe his dagger with its name with runes after the Hobbit? Because I believe the runes do say, my name is Sting, I am the spider's bane. That's a possibility. It sure would be weird if that it would make it a lot more he sense. Killed them. You know, even if they don't say that, if they don't directly contradict what you have said, I'm going to take what you have said as canon, and that makes everything fit. Yay! Good job. We you, fixed it. You're the missing piece. You made the Hobbit better. Good job. You're welcome, Tolkien. <laughs> you couldn't do it alone. Okay. J.R.R. How do you pronounce that? Jer. <laughs> more like jerk, Tolkien. Okay. Um. <laughs> Okay, so uh, 217. Man, this chapter is long. I'm surprised the dwarves don't know the story of the Ring of Power. Maybe they're too young to understand its significance. Maybe only beings as old as Gandalf and Elrond know its origins. I don't think it's that widely popularized. I, I think so, too. I think, I think... The, the, the problem with the Lord of the Rings is that we get the experience through all of these very ancient right. people like Galadriel and Sauron and all those people who would have known... Then, but then, like, even the Council of Elrond, like, it feels like I never got the feeling that everyone there was being educated all at once about this ring story. Right. I thought it was just us. Because even Gandalf is, is when he knows about it, is just kind of uncomfortable because he's like, that seems like a disproportionate amount of power for a little ring. But he has to go right. searching for it. And not till the next yeah, book. Yeah, that's when right. He's just like, oh, shit. Oh, that ring? Oh, no. Right. Okay. Well, that helps. 218. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a sort of a gotcha note because we have had I have had such hard time keeping track of how many dwarves there are mm. that there's a moment when they rescue all the dwarves on page 215 where it says something like and there were 12 of them in company I did and note I, that and I I saw that when I was reading it and thought I'll pay no attention to this I'm just I'm a weirdo and I'm I'm overthinking this cut to page 218 and my note is I knew there were too few dwarves in this fight <laughs> Because it's then revealed that Thorin wasn't with them. He was actually gone. And there was a little clue in page 215. He does a similar I thing later saw. with the barrels, which he's so proud of he has to call out. But um, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, how, get there. we'll get there. How how uh, alien and bizarre of him to to want to spell out his jokes to just to make sure must be everyone must gets be one of this. those uh, January 3rd Capricorn things. Those guys are assholes. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Him, Dan Harmon, what the fuck? Yeah, this is the only two. Yep. All right. So the next note is... Actually, I'm done with notes for that chapter. All right. 
So that brings us to chapter nine. Barrels out of bond. Okay. Shortly after surviving the spider attack, the rest of Thorin's party were quickly captured by the Merkroid elves and marched to cells in the Elven King's palace. All but Bilbo, who avoided capture with the use of his ring. Bilbo spent untold weeks hiding and sneaking about the palace before concocting a plan to stow the dwarves away in empty barrels sent downriver. This plan, though fraught with peril and much dwarven whining, seems successful as Bilbo and the dwarf-filled barrels Mm. seem to make their way down the river safely, though the chapter ends before we learn the dwarves' fate. Uh, Basically, that little note there is it's, I think before the, right as the chapter ends, it's suggested that Bilbo's like, I hope the dwarves are still alive in here and they haven't drowned in these barrels. Right. Or like frozen to death. Right. It's possible I have a note on that very thing at the very end of the chapter, but you know, thanks for spoiling it now. Sorry. I have a couple of notes here, but what were you going to say? Yeah, before you get to that, just regarding what you just said, Tolkien is very, and it's way more apparent in the next book, very liberal with time. Oh, yeah. He's just like, oh, they spend a couple of weeks uh, with the dwarves in prison. And I'm like, is it just a realism thing? Why would he, just narratively, like, I know, I don't understand why it's not just like three days. Why why do you make it um, weeks? I think for me, the reason that I have justified it as is I think that the longer something takes when you're hearing about it, the more like significance it gets sometimes. So like if you're saying like, like imagine how disparaging it would be to have to like lurk around a palace for weeks and how like downtrodden Frodo or not Frodo Bilbo would feel in this world. And then that relief from, oh, my God, we finally figured out how to get out might feel more climactic. I can see that, but he also doesn't really spend the time to make it feel like it's weeks. He doesn't talk about. Agreed. I mean, he has a couple sentences talking about some near misses and almost getting trapped in the doors, but not like it's, it should probably be another chapter longer if he's just going to be skulking around for two weeks and listening to elf conversations and trying to formulate a plan and having, oh, this is a plan. No, it's not going to work. That would make it feel, I mean, otherwise it's just a couple sentences saying, yeah, it was weeks. And that's, yeah. it's, that's, it's weird to me. No, I uh, agree, but I, I, that's the best I can tell you. Yeah, it makes I sense. I see also, what you're saying. There's also an element of like, you know, how long did it take Hannibal to cross the Alps, right? Like the the longer the journey, the more like epic it can be. Sure. But I will also say this. The movies really do a terrible job suggesting how long it's taken. And I this is sort of jumping to the end of the chapter. Sure. Um, But I I was also noticing that. Okay, One of the things that bummed me out about the uh, movie was that when we get to Lake Town, it's frozen. Like everything else before Lake Town is like summer and fine and great. And then all of a sudden, like like when they're in they're in Mirkwood, like minutes before they get to Lake Town, it's green. Like not it's 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 green by the by the Elvish Kingdom. Is like, it kind of autumny? Is it I don't remember. I well, thought, I, I thought maybe the movie's it, progressing through the seasons. I, I, I think it is, but like my me- I'll have to watch it again sure. in a year. But like it's the, the thing that I'm realizing now is like, oh, that that is what the movie is doing. The movie is trying to keep the pace with the book, mm-hmm. but doing it in like, you know, six hours or whatever. Right. So by the time they do get to Lake Town, it is winter, but you don't feel like the time has passed because it's a movie. Well, also, it doesn't make sense because they're trying to get to Durin's Day, which is in August. So Lake Town would be before that. So early August. 
And and Lake Town's also in the east, not the north right. necessarily. So right. like you shouldn't be going up hemisphere to be like or uh, like get colder. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's odd. It's it, not fucking never winter, am I right? Actually, it might be north. Oh. It might be north because of this really annoying note I read at in this chapter that I <laughs> I whined to my wife about, uh, and I'll I'll talk about it now because I I was so mad about it. Uh, but we're jumping ahead, so sorry, everybody. We're jumping around here. Whatever. So this note is on page two thirty eight, uh, and it's about the art in in on this page. And and the reason I'm bringing this up, and again, this wasn't an actual note I took down. It was just me bitching to my wife about it. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of note that drives me crazy because it's like the overproduced both fiction that Tolkien created and also the overproduced annotation of someone who's taking it a bit too seriously. Okay. I think. So here's what it says. But there remains some other problems of perspective with the sketch of the forest river. The text describes Bilbo and the barrels as being on the northern branch of the forest river as they merge with the stronger main branch from the south. With the current pushing the barrels to the north bank where a wide bay is formed, in the picture at right, Bilbo seems to be on the main branch with the northern branch entering at the left and the wide bay in the distance at the right. If the wide bay is supposed to be on the north side of the river, then the moon, parentheses, unmentioned in the text, end parentheses, is rising impossibly in the north. Tolkien's final version matches all of these points in the text, save for having the sun rising while the text says that on the surface of the river can be seen broken reflections of clouds and stars. It's like stereo instructions. It's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's like uh, an SAT word problem Mm -hmm. where you're like, if the branch, if the, if the shore is on the North where the town is, but the, the moon is in the East. It's like, I don't fucking care. I don't, I can't, (laughs) I can't put all of this together visually. And I don't know why you are right. Like it's, it's that level of, of disinterest. And it, so maybe I was wrong. Just, there's, there's mentions of north there, and I was wondering if the river's flowing north. I don't. That made it sound really like do. it was flowing east to west, and because it's going this way, the top would be the north bank and the south, you know. So yeah. Um, everything else, though, I, I was. Yeah. Why is it impossible for the moon to be in the north? That's another thing I don't understand. I thought it was impossible it's a, for it, the moon to be in the east. It says the moon's in the north, which is impossible. <laughs> I don't, but I don't, I don't know why. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So we can get back to real notes now. But that's that was something that I had uh, another. Speaking of cardinal directions and where they are, maybe they're maybe the north flowing river is taking them north to Lake Town. Is all my point. I'm, I, I'm, I, it's I, not north flowing. There's a north mm-hmm. branch, but it's flowing east mm-hmm. with the north bank, as it should be. As as every map as of this detailed area detailed by us. the text. Right. <laughs> Uh, Lake Town, we all know famously in the East. Anyway, so my first note after all of that in this chapter is on page 227. 227. Uh, Here I write, I'm glad for the explanation as to why the elves and dwarves dislike each other. That was something sorely missing from the movies and just felt like lazy racism. Uh, And it's also not technically on this page. It's just it is in this area. Sure. But like uh, to to inform the audience, the idea is that there was this story from long ago where I think Thingol uh, refused to pay dwarves for their services in providing gold or or jewels or some sort of craftsmanship. 
And the dwarves really resented it and yeah. have maintained that resentment for Dwar- hundreds of years. Dwarves don't just leave a, a one-star review on Yelp. They, they kill motherfuckers. And yeah. thus, enmity is born. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting to, like, finally get that because in Lord of the Rings, again, there's only this uh, rivalry. Mm-hmm. There's only this element of resentment and, and anger that feels forced or, like, just unexplained. Mm-hmm. And that's boring and lame. So I was grateful to have that finally. And also it helps. It also helps, like, give some more, like, significance to the Legolas Gimli friendship. Like, you know, just spending time with someone you thought you couldn't ever be friends with. Maybe, maybe you'll find some common ground or experiences. All right. Do you have any notes in this chapter? Because I got two more. I do not. Okay, page 232. I like this example of Bilbo's friendliness where he gives the guards back his keys because it will save him some trouble. After all, he was a nice prison guard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't want the guy to be like, oh, my keys are missing. It's clearly my fault. Right. You're like, I got my keys right here and I was napping. I don't know how you guys let all like 13 prisoners out. Lame. It's just so weirdly British to me to be like, to be like, well, I wouldn't want to be rude. <laughs> yes, I was wrongly imprisoned. And yes, the, my captors were, you know, going to keep me here for hundreds of years. But they weren't all bad. <laughs> and it's just it's just really silly. It that is. That ha- I just love it. Good job, Bilbo. Way to, way to be a mensch. <laughs> and then I have a sort of overview note here that is. It is nice to think about the elves recycling barrels. I wish we could uh, make more reuse of items in the real world. Where's my reusable shampoo barrel? I mean, barrels are expensive, man. You got to get a cooper to make that shit. I, I Barrel being a metaphor for a reusable container. I understand. I understand. But it, just, it, it makes sense to reuse the barrel. I'm 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 right, I'm not trying to, I'm, right. I'm not trying to knock your observation. It's a good observation. I'm just saying You're just saying that plastic bottles are not as valuable as barrels because they're cheap. Yeah. And easy to make. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're also horrible and wasteful and they ruin our world. Where's your Sylvan pride, Rob? Sylvan is elfish? Sylvan is actually forest. Oh. Sindarin selfish. Wood elves. Whatever. McVedigleben. Um, you had a note right about now, don't you? 236, I have a note. Oh. 235, 236, technically. 236 is where it hit me. Yes. I just couldn't with the singing this time. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I glazed over it, and then about, I'm just a poetic reiteration of everything I've already read. Fuck this. Next. (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. That's great. Yeah, I know. Um, and then 238. Technically 240. Maybe they say it on 238. Oh, no. I, I know what I'm doing. Uh, 238. They start referring to the Raft Elves, and I think that caught me by surprise because I was assuming it was Lake Town who was mm-hmm. gathering the barrels. I'm like, what Raft Elves? What are you talking about? But I'm like, oh, no, that's who's fishing it, and then they sell it to Lake Town. So I guess that makes right. sense. Uh, it just kind of seemed it, it seemed like it came out of nowhere. There was no that I caught previous introduction to, and they'll be sailing by the raft elves, who are an extension of Thranduil's kingdom. And don't forget the water elves and the the ground elves. They're basically the Navi. <laughs> um, 
last note for me, cliffhanger, alive or dead? Yeah, sorry. No, that's fine. You know, I don't hold grudges. Okay. I, well, I, okay. And then, and then I have one final overview of the section note, if you're ready yes. for it. Take, I am. Take, take a look at this book and where we're at. Over halfway through? And note that we haven't even got to Smaug yet. Yeah. And appreciate how much they added to those movies. Well, I, I honestly, okay, yes, I can appreciate that. But I will also point out that at this point was in this in these sections, I think was the first time we hear the reference to the Battle of the Five Armies. Yes. So, like, apparently that's coming. It is coming. It is part of it. But I will also say I feel like in the book it's a page and a half. Oh, wow. This is not a Battle of Helm's Deep situation. This is a, hey, five armies came together. Isn't that nuts? (laughs) Not, let's make a movie out of this, you know glorified sentence yeah well 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 i guess we'll see we guess we will (laughs) i uh because because i also don't know in terms of you you pointing out where we are in the in the book keep in mind there's a lot of this that's going to be appendix and uh i didn't think there were appendixes in this oh i think there might be rob i'm gonna look ahead doug there is a bibliography okay so oh there is a little bit of appendix you are not Incorrect. Thanks. So, looks like the text proper stops at 367. Or 376. Can't even get that right. 376 is the end of the story part. Is it? Because mine suggests that the story... The, what I would call the proper story ends at 364. And then there is the... Oh, you're right. Then there's two appendixes. Okay, I was looking at the end of the first appendix. There's an appendix A and an appendix B... And then Some there others. is the, bi- the bibliography stuff. Yeah. Which, hey, um, maybe they mentioned the artist. Well, the reason I point out the bibliography is I do believe we will have to at least scrub it. If not, I don't think we'll have to read it entirely because if you'll, if you'll flip through, there are lots of revision notes I- at page like 384 that have more art and more notes. So I don't want you to like get to that part of the reading and... No, no, no. Skip over this. Very true. I was only trying to point out the story proper ends even sooner than the end of the book. Yes. So, in fact, I'm going to put a sticky note there so I can just appreciate how little we left we have to read for the text Well, you know what? In that case, I'm going to amend this also just for the sake of enjoying ourselves. All right. Well, that should bring us to a new word alert. Habituate. What? Habituate. Habituate? Yeah. Not habituate. Habituate. I don't know what that word is, Doug. Okay, habituate. It's a noun, a person who may be regularly found in or at a particular place or kind of place. It's more like a habitué. Yeah. (laughs) See, if you said habitué, I would have made way more sense. So that's the word. Okay. It's a weird word. It's a weird word. All right, here's here's the next one. Heart. What? Heart. Harp? H-A-R-T. Heart. Oh. Uh, well, Doug, that is a deer's tail. Nope. 
Wow. I remember there it being is. a u- weird use of the word heart when they were seeing deer in the yes. tall grass. So I was just, I was, yes. I was trying for that, but it was totally uh, pulling it out of my heart. It's deer related. It is unfortunately, however, not the tail. It is the male of the red deer, especially when over five years old. Oh, so like so instead no of buck longer... or something. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Next one. Mickle. Mental? M-I-C-K-L-E. Oh, Mickle. Mickle. Um, that's funny because that's from the poem. Yes. In the notes. Which made which I was thinking, uh, which kind of reminded me of Robert Burns' Tam O'Shanter, where they also use Mickle. Um, isn't it like a kind of darkness or not? No, no uh, Mickle. I, I I fucking know it. I just can't because they. What is it? It's so annoying. It's a word that just means much or great. Yeah. No. No. That's like right. If I had a Mickle of pie, mm-hmm. would mean that I had a lot of pie. <laughs> See, in Robert Burns defense he's writing in scots so everything in that sounds like you've had three goblets of whiskey and you can't talk right um this like it threw mickle in into the middle of nowhere and i'm in the mickle of nowhere yeah. and i'm like what the fuck are you doing yeah yeah and tolkien like this dude this yeah I, I, dude like, whatever i man. when i was reading that note uh, uh the annotation i felt the same way i was like this first off this poem sucks good uh secondly yes uh Tolkien liked him. I can understand later when they explain what Tolkien had to say about this guy. Like, I can appreciate the notes. You really he liked had. his meter. Fine, great. Right, or his like his ability to like for being a homeless dude who was probably schizophrenic. This guy also had a lot of uh, of he had a great vocabulary. He had a mickle vocabulary, and well, that he also, was. But like, he also did like religious poetry. Who wants to read that? Apparently, Tolkien, the <laughs> Roman Catholic weirdo. All right, next one. Okay, Van. Because each 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 one of these subsequently sounds slurrier and slurrier. Van, man, van, v a n. Oh, um, of Swedish descent. Um, I honestly don't know what definition I was looking for. Sure, because I think it's in the same poem. Okay, which I don't have the note for. I don't have the page number for. Sure, but I think the best I can imagine is that. The, the, the main definition for van is the caravan. It's the large vehicle that transports a lot of people. Um, I didn't want to give you cetera, that because I figured you'd want me to say that. And I was like, no, I won't say it. No, that's that is absolutely the, the that's the main definition. And, and even the second one is basically the same thing. The second definition is and this is where I think he must have used it chiefly British an enclosed railroad freight or baggage car. Mm. You know, possible? It, it occurs to me. I never like I, I get mobile. An automobile and car and carriage, but I had never thought of van and caravan. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Next is sword. Scored. Sword. S W A R D. Oh, isn't that uh, sword? Isn't that? Uh... I know it's geographic. Is it forest, or no, is it port- the area right before a forest? It's a portion of gra- ground covered with grass. Grass. Okay, so the, I was going to say like a the- belt. The grassy surface of land. Okay. But that's still off. Not bad. No, it's bad. Blant. Flant? Blent. B-L-E-N-T. That, I have no clue. That sounds like a term for for being drunk. Man, he was blent. 
So I uh, I read this and I, I contextualized it because I had the advantage of reading it in context. Sure. I contextualized it correctly. It is just one of those obsolete pronunciations of the word blend to blend something or to be blended to blend to blend alcohol with my blood sure i'm um, blend but but in the book in the in the poem wherever this came from it was b l e n t yeah so i i was just like all right well uh, let's everybody let's listening to start using blent to mean blood or drunk wow all right you ready for the next one yep aconite Aconite. Well, we know what that is because we've read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Uh-huh. It's also known as Wormswood or Wolfsbane. No, no. Well, not here at least. Shit, am I wrong? Hold on. Before you even tell me what that is, I got to look it up. But I will add my parameters so I'm not... Oh, wait, you, you were you were right about Wolfsbane. Yeah, so also... And, wait, wait well, did I say Wormwood? Of... Yeah. No, it's not Wormwood. I'm a fucking idiot. Harsh? Monkshood. Wolfsbane. Why did I say? Oh, why did I say Wormswood? Oh, why did I say Wormswood? I'm never gonna get over this. I'm, ne- I'm not. I'm not. Wormswood. It's Wormwood. Jesus, I'm dumb. So, what about aconite? Just it was a word I didn't recognize. Oh, okay. And that's what you you got it right. Mm. Congratulations, mm. because you've read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Well, it's not something to brag about. Look, everyone read that book. Not everyone. <laughs> everyone. By now, everyone. By now, most people. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. Here's the next one. Look, I'm just saying Percy Jackson's better. Hopefully, it's at least less racist. Quite. Racist. Oh, right. Sorry, what? Quite. The, why, I, are you using a different app because these are so no. slurry I, and like, like these are just was the weird only one that sounded words. clear. No, it's like you're not aiming the microphone right at the speaker, vice versa. Quite. No. Worthy. What's worthy, Doug? Quite. White? Quite. Quite. Nope. Quite. 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 I don't Q-U-O-I-T. know. Q-U-O-I-T. Oh, quite. That's that's a game like a throwing game. Yes, it is. Because I think the the notes told us that. The notes did tell us that. But I think they also the... say quites, right? There's an S. Maybe. Yes, quoits, yes. Okay, well. Mm. Uh, well the, def- the second definition here, uh, quoits, plural in the form but singular in construction, a game in which the quoits are thrown at an upright pin in an attempt to ring the pin or come as near t- to it as possible. Mm. So it's like horseshoes. Yeah. All right. And my last word. Kine. Pine, time. I don't know what you said. K-I-N-E. Kine. Kine. That's another one from this book. Yes, it is. I don't remember what it is. Is it kind? Like no, it's it's kind? a it's it's my favorite one so far. It's just an unnecessary use of an archaic term for cows. Cows? It cows. means cows. It means cows. Oh, come on, man! What are you doing here, Tolkien? Yeah, cows. It's a lot of kind. <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, those are the words. Those are the words we we picked and used and and uh, found. So, do you have any words? No. Yeah, I did, I did not learn did anything this week. Wow, uh, you knew what a coit was only because of this book. So you learned a new anyway. That's what the new <laughs> word alert is, Rob. That's what it does. That's what it's for. Shut that's up, Doug. Why we do it? Let's go annotate a classic bit of literature. <laughs> 
That's what Doug's do. Would, would if I could. All right, so next time, so we only have two episodes left of this book. Gracious. Because the second half, because the second half of all what we have left has so much page count that is just bibliography, despite bibliography being having a bunch of art that we're going to want to look at and talk about or at least read, mm-hmm. I've made the next section a little bit shorter. Okay. Our next episode is just one chapter shorter than it would have been if I had done it properly, uh, with the expectation that the last one would be short. So next time, let's read chapters 10 through 14. Oh. Which is still pretty significant because chapter 15 is like six or seven pages long, so it's not that much that we're saving. Gotcha. It's just a little bit of a... It's just a little bit shorter than it would have been, and it's only about... 10 through 14, not 15. Yeah, it's about 75 pages. But f- but broken again. up over five chapters will feel a lot better than these really long chapters. Than these three. Well, feel better for you. More difficult for me. Because I've got to do the, the summaries. Oh, poor you. Oh, poor baby. How, how often do I whine about the editing process? Well, I'm assuming that in the time it takes you to do it, there's a lot of whining. Ouch. But I'm just not there to hear it. And the uploading. I should really upload episode two. You don't need to keep flogging Look, yourself. I um, am awful. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, do you have anything else you want to say? I before we, uh, no. we jump in the barrels, as it were, and head downstream to the next chapter? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, good. You know, we didn't... Before we go... Oh, okay. We didn't really talk about much about the Elf Kingdom and what that was like. Hmm. I, I think that, like, the I just want to point out again, because a lot of this, this analysis for me is the comparison between the movie and the book. Thranduil, the, the Elven King, looks really cool in the movie hmm. and ha- has this, like... That's uh, Lee Pace, right? Ronan the yes. Accuser. Yes. Uh, Legolas's dad. Yeah. Brian Fuller's and, pie shop man. Yes. Yes. And there are... Um, a lot of very stark and, and amazing like visuals with him in the movies, mm-hmm. including this element where he's like actually horribly v- maimed and scarred and visibly like physically deformed, mm-hmm. but he has this glamour about him that can protect his appearance. Hmm. And we get almost none of that so far. So I'm, I'm curious like when and how and where all of that information comes from knowing that in one of the annotations they mentioned that he's only called the Elven King in this book, but later in the Lord of the Rings, we learned that it's Thranduil. We learned that he's Legolas's father. Uh, you know, he gets a name. So maybe there's more elements there about in, in that por- portion of the book that explain like where he got scarred, what that is, why Peter Jackson included it. Cause I'm assuming it's necessary for something. Oh, be interesting to see. Um, yeah. Or you'll understand why many people were why unhappy with the movies. Maybe. I honestly don't remember. Uh, I will say on that note, though, I did not in the book specified. I did not remember that it's they're supposed to be in a cave. Mm, I imagine mm -hmm. this grand elfin, you know, house in the woods. And basically, I mean, sure, it's a it's a very nice cave. (laughs) But caves are so clearly uh, dwarven realms. Right. And I can understand them having like, you know. Uh, a basement that led to a cave and that's where the dungeons could be. That, that makes perfect sense. You know, there's like a, a, a bat cave Wayne Manor situation going on, but the fact that the elves live in a cave, that's just weird. Yeah. I, the other, the other weird thing is in the movie, at least it's, it's depicted as sort of like a cave in quotations, like almost more like it's, it's a natural 
barrier into a grotto of some kind. Yeah. Or a, uh, that, that, that they actually live in, but is full of trees and stuff still like impossibly large and healthy trees. I do think though, if you wanted to, you asked last week if we could, or last episode, if you, uh, if you, you could, you could sit down and watch some Lord of the Rings. Well, at this point, I think you're, you're okay to watch the first, the Hobbit movie. Mm. If you want. I feel like at one point I downloaded a version of the Hobbit that was supposed to be very much like the book. It was cut together from all three movies and it was only five hours long. Well, you can't read that one or watch that one. No, because we I, haven't I, I finished know where the book it is, yet. But yeah, we haven't. I totally didn't pay for it too. I, I stole that shit. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you, I'm, I'm, I'm a burglar. I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a burglar. Wow, wow! I'm like a really good burglar. <laughs> wow, dude, that's insane! I can't believe you just admitted that. That's like, that could be put into court. Anyway, so next no, I episode, I, I'm a liar. I'm a burglar <laughs> and a liar. Who knows what I'm lying about? Barrel Rider. Next time, chapters ten through fourteen. We'll see you then. That was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Yeah, I, I'm just saying the WWE where wrestling is in the, the the name. At least the people there are they're they're not so far gone in their distaste for the word wrestling that they have decided to make a catastrophic mistake and take a brand that is so strong that it's also become a verb, a widely used, widely accepted verb, and just butcher it mm-hmm. for no good reason. At least mm-hmm. they don't do that, right? With their distaste for the word wrestling. So, what is, what I think is I've the, made my point. What does the E stand for? Entertainment. Oh, okay. Because it's sort of like, a, again, it's... Well, a, what's it's the a, it's W a, stand for, then? World. One, the first W. What's the second one? Wrestling. Okay, so it's not like worldwide wrestling, because that would be three Ws. It used to be. Like, in w- the WWF? Yeah, in the 50s. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if worldwide was maybe um, a compound word. I almost said a butterfly word because I always associate learning oh, what a compound yeah. word is with butterfly. I'm like, it's one of those butterfly words. That is a weird mental break. Why can't I remember what a compound word is? Hey man, maybe I should. Maybe I should own Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah. Um. I guess it's more. It is more. Maybe maybe I'll concede that it's not. It's not so much a sitcom, but it is quite. It is. It is. It, it's more than that. It's so much more than the than the confines of a. Which the, the, fine, the, man. But I don't the want more. bear trap of a sitcom label. It is uh, a bear traps are so scary. It is a multi generational, operatic and cruel. done in live performance in front of thousands of people twice a week at least what kind of fucking monster uses a bear trap man probably a bear i mean it's their trap i mean yeah that was a trap for bears not a trap by bears <laughs> bear tested bear approved the a new coleman by bear the bears for the pears and i said pears didn't I? you said pears <laughs>
people of the pairs. We at the Pair Alliance deem this trap unsafe. I don't know. This is gonna be it's gonna be a weird episode. Hey, where do you stand on the whole tree of knowledge being apple or pear or some other unknown fruit thing? In what capacity? Do you have a fruit you come down on? Like a fruit I don't like? No. A fruit for the tree of knowledge. What did Adam and Eve eat? In like in the canon? Like in, yeah. in the fiction? Uh apple. Okay. Cause that seems to be an apocryphal edition. That people, it doesn't say in the Bible, and I've seen it represented as a pear and sometimes other fruits by those people who are like, oh, actually doesn't say apple in the Bible, so it's really just any kind of fruit. Any kind of fruit? That you don't, don't have don't to think... peel. I feel like it's any it's kind of fruit. Probably strawberry. Too. Calling it any kind of fruit feels cheap. That's, that sounds well, like I mean, any kind thing. of fruit that can represent knowledge. Or perhaps innocence. what kind? What kind of fruit can? It was cherry. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's I see what cherry. I believe I've seen what you've done. Tell me you're not recording. <laughs> oh, I am. I'm very Damn much it. recording everything you said. All right, want to do a show? Sure. Are you warmed up enough? I think so. I don't have a lot of notes. I'm just going to oh, good. about that that's, right now. That's fine. That's a good, it's good not to do your job. Hey, I did my job. Look, I got one note that's like two pages long, and then everything else is like, eh, no notes. Well, I can't wait to get to that one note. Good, because it's going to happen real fucking quick, and then nothing. One note, one note pony. All right. Let's, uh, it's okay. I guess I'll do the heavy lifting today with my oh, so- big, strong arms. So, how's that going to be different than any other show? <laughs> Shit. Whoops. <laughs> uh, thank you. I, uh... Now, old-fashioned to a point of being obsolete. Let me take that one again. Now, old-fashioned to the point of being obsolete... This plan though fraught with peril and much dwarven whining, seems successful as Bilbo and the barrels, uh, and the barrel-filled dwarves, I think I have that backwards, and the dwarf-filled barrels mm. seem to make their way down the river safely. 